Welcome to Planet Impact, a show about how non-conformist social entrepreneurs are changing the world. Here's your host, Manthan Shah. Thank you so much for joining me today for the podcast. I appreciate sure. you sparing time for this and we've been scheduling it for so long. I can't believe this is happening. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your patience. All right. I want to know how was it to grow up in South of Florida? How were your early days, childhood and school? Yeah, I grew up uh, in a, a beautiful place. Uh, I grew up in a town called Boca Raton, Florida, which has a, a pretty large Jewish population. Uh, it's an hour north of Miami. Uh, so a lot of people know Miami, even in the U.S., uh, where they don't know Boca Raton. Boca, you know, most people know if they're Jewish or it's occasionally referenced in movies as a retirement uh, destination. Uh, sort of like they're, you know, the Italian job, which is like a bank robber movie. They're like, you know, what are you going to do after you get all this money? Like, oh, I'm going to go retire in Boca Raton. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was a great, lovely place to grow up, you know, very relaxed. I, I grew up in a, a pretty entrepreneurial family. So a lot of different family businesses. My, my parents had two restaurants when I was a baby that didn't go well, unfortunately. But I, I have a lot of other businesses in the family that have gone well. So, you know, my, my grandmother started a catering business in South Florida. Uh, my grandfather started a construction business in New York uh, that his father had started in the same practice before that. And then now my uncle owns that business with his cousins. I have uh, step aunts and uncles that had started and sold businesses. And so, you know, it, it, it's in the bloodline, I guess, you know, and, and now I'm an entrepreneur and, and my brother, who's a year younger than I am, uh, he's uh, an entrepreneur as well. And he's in the paper straw business. So he's actually more of a, a social entrepreneur, uh, you could argue, than, than I am. Although you know, I have projects where I was running social causes and I try and incorporate impact into my company today and in my work. Yeah, growing up, you know, grew up in an entrepreneurial family, grew up in a, a nice place, no real complaints there. Yeah, school, I, I did school in the public school system until high school. Uh, and I had pretty good grades, you know, throughout my uh, initial years until high school. And then right around 14 or 15 years old, I stopped caring about my grades, you could say. Why would you do that? Uh, and Why would you stop caring? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I always thought I was going to, you know, do the traditional path of you know, get get the best grades possible, go to the best school possible, and I, I had probably the the best. I probably had the hardest class schedule in my high school. So if I you know had straight A's, that like maybe I could have gone to an Ivy League school or whatnot. But I I decided very early on that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so you know, in high school, I started my first business at 15, and I. I started caring less and less about my grades and I was caring more and more about what I was doing outside of school. Uh, so at 15, I started my first business. It didn't what was your work, first but about? And um, how did it, start? it was a website. Yeah. It was a website called now I get it.com. It was supposed to allow you to access tutors from around the world via web chat. Yeah. I just made every mistake possible from not knowing my competition to not having uh, capital to start the business to not being technical. I didn't, I didn't know anything about coding or you know, creating a startup. 
biggest mistake I made was poor mentor selection. And so I was actually spending months uh, hanging out with this uh, guy who I, I later found out had spent time in prison for securities fraud on Wall Street. Oh, and yeah. uh, he didn't know anything about education and he didn't know anything about startups or technology. Uh, and so, you know, total mess. But nevertheless, I was really passionate about this project and I was passionate about other projects that I was trying to start throughout high school. Uh, when I was 16, sent a cold email to uh, a guy I read about in Forbes because I wanted to be around a much more positive mentor. Read about this guy and, and you know a serial entrepreneur in Silicon Valley offered to work unpaid in exchange for his mentorship, and he accepted it. So he let me work for him remotely from South Florida. Uh, and so from 16 to 18 years old, I was working remotely for a, a venture-backed Silicon Valley tech startup, which today has over 200 employees and is valued at over $100 million. But I was you know, one of the first 10 employees and, and I was an unpaid intern. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, 16 to 17, I was an unpaid intern, you know, just sort of proving myself. And then 17, I got on payroll uh, and, and was a, an actual team member. Uh, so from 17 to 18, you know, I was working for this company while you know, trying to create my own things on the side. And uh, and that's also when I started working on my my first book. So you know, by the time I graduated high school, I just did not care about school anymore and ended up taking a, a gap year from university and Which then took a second gap to? year. So the first... Uh, well, I ended up never going to university. Uh, so I've, you know, I did, uh, I did some college classes during my senior year of high school. I don't know if you guys have like AP classes uh, in your part of the world, but there's no. I'll just um, tell the audience. So in American education system, when you're in the senior year, which is the twelfth standard of your high school, you can take something called as advanced placement classes, which is AP classes, and which yeah. are the college first year courses, and those are just like more difficult than normal classes. Yeah. So you can actually take AP classes throughout high school. So okay. it's not just that last year. So throughout high school, I, I took enough of these AP advanced placement classes where if I wanted to go to university, I would have already been finished with a year, maybe a year and a half of a four-year undergrad degree. And then my senior year of high school, not only did I do these advanced placement classes, but I did all of my studies at a local university. Uh, so it was it was called, I believe it's called dual enrollment. I'm entirely 100% on a college campus, but I get credit for college classes and for my high school classes. Wow. Uh, so I, I did, I guess I took school seriously, but I, I wasn't, you know, as soon as the bell rung and I was out of class, you know, I was worried about work. And so I ended up never going to university despite, I guess, being ahead of the game Credit-wise, I could have maybe graduated at 20 instead of 22 from university. Um, but I took a I took a gap year from no university. I just took a year off, and then I ended up uh, applying to schools. Got into New York University, NYU. Took a gap year from NYU, and then just never went uh, because I you know was already doing what I wanted to do, which was. Uh, yeah, starting businesses and being around other entrepreneurs. And by 20 years old, when I, I guess I decided to take, or after my second gap year, I'd already had one book published. I was working on a second book, so starting to... Point, did you, weren't your parents worried about you for dropping from college? Yeah, so parents were definitely you know, worried. And we had a lot of intense debates about uh, my future. I think I was part of the last 
at least in the United States, I, I think some of stigma around taking gap years or not going to university have started to fade. But I imagine in other parts of the world, there's still a real pressure to go to university, take a, a more traditional path. But yeah, I definitely had to try and explain my logic to them and what I was doing. You know, it's not like I was wasting my time either. Like I was, I was working on a book at, at 18 when I graduated high school, decided to take that first gap year. Eventually it came to a conversation around, okay, well, if you want to take this gap year, then you need to be financially independent. Uh, okay. So you, know, you can't, you can't live at home. You got to make your own way. And of course, my family wouldn't let me starve uh, or anything like that. But you know, they they wanted me to do things my own way if I was so you know, adamant about taking my own path and not listening to them. And so, you know, at 18, I moved out, decided to move to New York City, and uh, which is probably the most expensive place in the world or one of to move and just made it work. Uh, so which, you got you know, financially independent at 18? For. Yeah. How did you become financially independent at 18? Yeah, so I saved up money from from working uh, when I was younger. You know, I, I started working at eleven for the family catering business, and from eleven to sixteen, I was catering. Uh, from you know sixteen to eighteen, I was working for that tech company, albeit as a, an unpaid intern to begin with. But then I got on payroll. I started making a salary and. Then when I was 18, I also signed a, a book deal for my, my first book. So while it wasn't a lot of money, it was, it was a little bit of money that we got for an advance on that project. Publisher essentially buys the rights to your book. And then I also you know, eventually started a consulting business. Uh, so when I was 18, you know, I, I realized that I, I had this book that I was now publishing. You know, I, had, uh, I got this advance. We had about a year before the book came out from after we you know, got our book acquired. Didn't know if I was going to continue working at the tech company that I was working for, um, partly because I'm not a great employee and uh, partly because uh, while I was getting a salary there, it wasn't a very high salary to then afford living in a big city like New York City. And so I sent another cold email to a popular author uh, and uh, his name is Keith Ferrazzi. He wrote the book, Never Eat Alone, which is a business book classic on networking and relationship building. And did more work for free um, for about a month to show him that I could help him uh, in some way, or at least wanted to. And then he hired me as a consultant uh, to take some of the marketing and business development lessons that I learned for the tech company and apply it to his speaking business. And so, you know, something you you could take away from is that if you want an opportunity, you know, you can send a cold email and sometimes people will respond and give you an opportunity. You know, I, I structure these cold emails in a way where I'm offering value, you know, so instead of making it about me and my ambitions and my goals in life, I'm saying, hey, you know, successful author, I know you're busy. So let me do X, Y, and Z to take, you know, these projects off your plate and allow you to make more money or allow you to sell wow. more books. So I'm always making it about the other person. Yeah. And that works sometimes, uh, especially if you're very persistent about it. And, and you're specific, you know, I didn't just contact every New York Times bestselling author, I contacted this gentleman specifically and, and told him why. You can you can carve your own path and you know, work on basically whatever you want. I would 
recommend sending a lot of cold emails when you're young uh, because you do have the benefit of being young and you know people will listen to you if for no other reason than you're 18 years old, you're 20 years old, you're ambitious. You know, even the fact that you have your own podcast, like you can now reach out to people and interview them. And that's uh, instead of you know asking for opportunity, you're actually providing value and sharing someone's work with a larger audience. You know, and, and, you know, and then as far as not going to university, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like I made a decision overnight. Like I, I took uh, methodical steps before deciding I wasn't going to go to university. So I took one gap year, even during the gap year, I applied to schools, got into a really good school, took another gap year. So it, it was a step-by-step thing. So hopefully you know, that gives you a bunch of things you could possibly take away from this conversation already. Uh, but I would I would highly recommend you know if you're listening to this and you're under 20 years old, uh, or even if you're in the 18 to 22 range, you know this is really valuable time to email whoever you want to offer your time for free and work for free for people that you admire, and you know, turn that into opportunities because that's going to open more doors than a university education, I would argue. Maybe controversial. Right. Yeah. I, Maybe, I, I would I would say that. Maybe for the for the podcast, could you give send one of the sample emails that you send which you're proud of? And we could like post it below as a sense of inspiration for our listeners. Sure. Yeah, I have a I have some cold email templates I can give you. <laughs> that, that would be brilliant. Thank you so much. Sure. Okay. So now I want to talk about um you being in New York and founding the community 2 billion under 20 and then eventually writing the book. So how did that start? When I was when I was 17, you know, I was working for this company in Silicon Valley, got an opportunity to travel from South Florida to San Francisco, Silicon Valley area. Uh, so this was even before I moved to New York, but it, it does involve New York. So I will I will come back to that. But when I was out in Silicon Valley, I went to a barbecue with with the founders of the company I was working for and met a, a whole bunch of cool entrepreneurs um, you know, and at that barbecue which is just like a random Sunday I, I started telling other people about my my other projects uh, and what I was doing outside of working for this company and I was telling them about myself and you know telling them that I was working for you know this co- company the founders of the company were introducing me to people and someone mentioned the work of the Teal Foundation which is which was started by Peter Thiel, who's the yeah. you know, co-founder of PayPal. The Thiel Foundation has a program where they pay kids not to go to school. They give uh, $100,000 grants. Yeah. While you know, they, they also, they don't do this anymore, but they used to run conferences where they would bring some of the people together that earned these grants. And then they also brought other young entrepreneurs together so they could meet each other, hopefully change the world one day. Just to give the continents, India's youngest billionaire, is uh, Mr. Ritesh Agarwal. He's the founder of Oyo Rooms and he's one of the Thiel Fellows. So it's one of the biggest foundation, amazing work they're doing. Yeah, I'll say I was never a Thiel Fellow myself. But to this day, some of the Thiel Fellows uh, that I've met are some of the smartest uh, founder in India. Um, I am aware of his story and you know he's uh, he's done incredible work. And uh, I wrote 2 Billion Under 20, uh, my first book with a Thiel Fellow and I actually met her at the conference um, in New York. Pereira? So you know, part of the foundation... Yeah, so part of uh, part of the foundation's work is not just having these teal fellowships um, and giving these grants away, but they also they used to run events uh, where they would bring together a bunch of young entrepreneurs. So uh, you know, 
fast forward a few months, I've now read up on this foundation and I've applied to their event and I, I get accepted and it's in New York City. So I travel to New York, go to this event. It's like a two-day conference. In the room are 200 teenagers and you know maybe a few people in their early 20s. By far, some of the smartest, most impressive people I've ever met in my entire life up until that point. Uh, and you know, it included some current TL fellows at the time. It included um, like the world's youngest astrophysicist. And then I also ended up meeting this young entrepreneur, Stacey Ferreira there, who uh, when she was 18, she had raised a million dollars from Richard Branson to start a company with her brother. They sold that company. And you know, now she's started other companies, sold other companies. So you know, it, was, it was that event that helped me start 2 billion under 20 and, and that community. It was a, a speech that I heard from that event that inspired you know, sort of challenged us all in the room to share our stories and get more young people to act on their passions in life. Uh, and then it was just a chance encounter with with Stacy. Um, we actually like shook hands in the New York subway station, uh, and then we each were hosting our own party. You saw on like Saturday night, and uh, yeah, I, I like hosted a party in Brooklyn with like you know 100 people, and then she was hosting like a pizza get together. So we didn't even talk that much at the event, but we ended up reconnecting afterwards in a Facebook uh, group that the foundation had, and we just started working on two billion under 20, and yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Uh, and that's you know our our community started with people from the Teal Foundation's community. We decided early on that we wanted to not just profile teenage entrepreneurs and teenage technologists and scientists, but we wanted to expand it to nonprofit founders and actors and musicians and uh, Olympians and, and just young people across the spectrum who are doing incredible things and, and from all over the world. So that's that's what we did. And we created an, a Facebook group of our own, you know, ended up writing a book. And uh... cool stuff. So I wanted to ask you, now that you're, you're writing your first book, 2 Billion Under 20, you interviewed and you spoke with and you worked with 75 amazing entrepreneurs who are like absolutely making a difference, right? So what were the key behavior traits that you think that made them different, that made them the people who are making impact? Everyone uh, put themselves in a position to be exponentially successful. So they they essentially did something unique or different. And they didn't know if it was going to be successful or not, but they they experimented. Uh, and so if you take a story from 3 billion under 30 uh, with the founder of WordPress, uh, he created uh, an open sourced coding platform at a time when everyone else was creating closed sourced software. You know, that was not very popular when WordPress was being created, but it was different. And because it was different, if it was successful, it would put Matt in a position where he would be very financially successful and then also very impactful on the rest of the world. Uh, and you know, today, WordPress powers over one third of all websites on the internet. Uh, and the company that owns WordPress is is worth you know two or three billion dollars and has six hundred employees all around the world. Uh, so you could you know that's very successful in my opinion and very impactful. You know, he he put himself in a place to be exponentially successful. And I, I say a lot. You know, a lot of our book contributors have done their own versions of that. You know, they've started a project when other people thought it would be taboo or thought it would be too difficult. They didn't really. Uh, they didn't think too hard about starting a nonprofit. They just did it and, you know, created a little experiment and then it grew bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's very so that's the biggest big. thing. And then, 
hands-on prototyping and experimentation is the key trait amongst them, is it? Yeah. You know, just, just putting yourself in a position to be successful. You know, like we, the, the rule book is out the window. Like we don't know what's going to work or not. You know, it starts with doing something, but then you know, especially if you do something unique, you know, if, if all your peers are getting ready to be lawyers or getting ready to be scientists and you decide that you're going to do something different, either it's going to work and you're going to be unique compared to everyone else, or it doesn't work. And then you can go back to the traditional path uh, or try something else. And, and eventually you might find something that works. Absolutely. The road less taken is basically what the trade was. Let's call it that. You know, after that, uh, everyone built their own audience or built their own distribution network for their ideas. You know, so rather than re- relying on major media outlets, they started a podcast. They um, built their own network, which is sort of my version of that. Like I built a very strong personal network, start a blog, uh, work for a major institution that has a big following. Basically put yourself in a position where if and when you've come across an idea that is meaningful and successful, you then have the ability to share what you've learned with others rather than relying on institutions, rather than relying on major media outlets. And so, you know, that's where uh, a lot of our book contributors, you know, once they stumbled on something that worked, they were able to share it with a bigger audience and other people could learn about them and their work and their innovative product or solution or service and could start working with them. Uh, you know, that that again is not really possible a few generations ago because we had you know only a few news outlets that were sharing all the all the media uh, we had only a f- you know a few companies that controlled all the supply chain but now you we have a, a distributed or a distributed world uh, and so you can create your own following uh, and then when you have great ideas you have a following who trusts you to to share that with uh, so in your own unique way whether it's a podcast like yours building your own network even creating or being a part of an online Facebook group. Um, those are all different ways to start building your audience and building that distribution network for your ideas. Uh, and then the third is is uh, to share, uh, to out-collaborate the competition, as I call it. So yeah, this is when you see two social media influencers working together and like creating videos that allow them to cross-pollinate their ideas and share their audience with a new you know, influencer and vice versa. Or you can see this when two companies are working together or two countries are working together. When when people work together, you know, greater things happen than if they were to work in their own silos. Uh, and I, I believe that's where a lot of innovation happens as well. Wow. I mean, you just gave a crash course into making an impact in today's society in three basic steps. I'm going to write a blog on it. But sure. now, <laughs> I want to know... That's it. That's it for me. That's uh, that's my work today. No, I'm just kidding. After you've published this book, Two Billion Under Twenty, what do you do next? What was your pet project after that? Yeah, I uh, I started a um, consulting business uh, after the book came out uh, because I I had learned marketing and business development from uh, that author that I mentioned, uh, and he became my first client. So I, I you know, became financially independent by just having other consulting projects that I, I worked on. I ended up writing a, a second book to continue sharing more stories from millennial entrepreneurs and you know, social media influencers and thought leaders. Yeah, and tried to try to survive New York City. And <laughs> that, that was a challenge uh, in and of itself. I think 3 billion under 30 came out when I was 21. I self-published, printed 10,000 hardcover copies of my book. And then that turned into speaking opportunities and 
eventually, you know, my, my current company is called Meeting of the Minds. We, we basically started bringing together some of these book contributors and some of my marketing clients um, in person to uh, three-day events so that they could start new companies or help each other you know, grow their companies or solve problems. That was probably the most important uh, and valuable thing I could offer. Uh, and so that's, that's what I'm currently doing today. You know, skipping over like five years all in one, but uh, yeah. yeah. What are you working on right now? So my, my company today is called Meeting of the Minds and we bring together successful entrepreneurs and business owners uh, into quarterly summits that we host. So every three months we pick a city, have an event and bring together 20, 30, maybe 40 business owners and entrepreneurs from all different backgrounds. And we help them work together to solve pressing problems in their business uh, and and possibly for society at large as well. Uh, many of them have nonprofits or charities that they care about. Uh, and so, you know, again, taking uh, books and, and inspiring people through content and through interviews like this uh, is a great first step. You know, we need more people to act on their passions in life. Um, but then when everyone is is tuned in and working on something, we then need to get them working together to solve those problems. We need a, a meeting of the minds, I call it. Uh, and so that's what the, the company does for business owners. You know, as we grow the company, we'll then apply this meeting of the minds to volunteer outings and, and charitable endeavors. Uh, and possibly you know create a model where other larger companies could have their own meeting in the minds uh, governments might be able to use a meeting in the minds framework to work with other you know governments better but you know, right now you know I'm working on on this uh, event series and and mastermind group as you can call it Wow, absolutely brilliant man everything that you do is so inspiring and absolutely hitting the nail on the head Thank you I appreciate the the flattery. <laughs> No, I mean, coming from India, I think all of what you're doing right now is more important to us in South Asian communities than it, I mean, I don't know, than ever before. So, and I'm just one person, you know, I am only doing so much. I mean, I read some of the stories of people that are in my books and they're incredibly inspiring, you know, and I don't, I don't necessarily believe that I will solve any problems myself, but that's why am creating these communities online and offline, uh, establishing these meetings of the minds, because I think the only way we solve these problems is by getting uh, a diverse set of perspectives and connecting, you know, people that will have their own unique resources and passions. And when they work together, we have a chance at solving these problems. Absolutely. Um, so now that you've interacted with so many inspiring people, what do you think is the best way to make an impact in today's society? Yeah, again, start with something that you're you're passionate about. So whether it's writing a blog or, or you know, starting a podcast like this, going to work for a company that is really inspiring to you, we need as many people as possible to act on their passions. And that's, that's step number one. And that's, you know, probably the most important step. And then we can start you know, working with others. Uh, but if you're listening to this, you know, let's find something to you know, chase after and, and create. Uh, and then after you've put some time into that, really started you know, creating some skill sets, then start finding other people to collaborate with uh, and sort of common problems that you both want to solve or that a group of you want to solve. And then that would be the next step, that, that meeting of the minds. Going about the future, like right now we are living in the corona times and the world is changing. So 
tremendously that it's hard to anticipate what will happen next. So how do you think Gen Zs and millennials could exist in this world and make a difference and make a positive change? Yeah, I mean, right now, you know, again, every institution uh, around us is is failing. You know, we have governments that aren't doing a great job uh, keeping us safe. Uh, we have economic systems that are about to cause a recession globally. We have climate change to worry about. We have political unrest. Uh, and so as a young person, um, there's so many problems that we need to start solving. But, you know, if, if you start thinking about all the different things that are wrong with the world, it, you know, you're just going to cry yourself to sleep at night. So, you know, as, as millennials, Gen Zers, uh, you know, uh, again, we just need to start carving our own path and, and doing so by finding things that we care about and spending time learning about those subjects, uh, starting to create some projects to take those interests and passions and turn them into hobbies or careers even. And that gives us the ability to then have a seat at the table and start solving some of these larger problems. Thank you. So now I'd like to take you to the lightning round. So you have to answer the following questions in as lightning way as possible. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, so what's your favorite book? Besides uh, your own? The Law of Success. The Law of Success by Napoleon Hill. Oh wow, that's the godfather of all self-help books. What's your What's your favorite music? What do you What is in your playlist right now? Well, I live in Atlanta, uh, which is where uh, most of the hip hop music is created or or inspired by right now. Uh, they call it trap music. <laughs> so uh, I, I listen to a lot of hip hop. Oh, what's your favorite travel destination? Favorite travel destination? It's a good question. Uh, I've been going to Bermuda a lot uh, for, for work in the last few years. We've been hosting our, our meeting of the minds there once a year. Uh, so really love going to Bermuda and, and have made a lot of great friends there. Planning to go to both Italy and Israel this year. So I, those are two sort of bucket list destinations that I'm really excited to, to go to uh, and, and you know, hope everyone's safe there. This is going to be a good travel year once we're past uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, I hope you come to India. Yeah, India is on the list. Um, I, I want to go to Australia. There's, there's a lot of the world I haven't seen yet. Right. So what's the one object from your childhood that you still have or that you'd never throw away? Basketball fan. Uh, and, and so when I was a teenager, someone gifted me a uh, signed basketball from LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. Uh, and I was, I was Miami Heat fan growing up in South Florida. So uh, I still have that. Uh, as far as other objects, uh, none come to mind right now, but that, that was the first thing that came to mind. Um, so what is one thing you wish your phone could do? Uh, I wish my phone could know that I'm on a podcast and uh, not yeah, like automatically mute itself. <laughs> I guess I could turn it on airplane mode, but uh, we were on Instagram Live earlier, and my my mom called me uh, while we were live. So you know, if uh, if it could self mute or you know, sort of go quiet, that would be great. I love my mom, but you know, she called at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a one single poem or a passage or a quote that you remember, or you would like to share? There's a quote: "Hard work beats natural talent when natural talent doesn't work hard." Uh, so that's a good one. I don't exactly know who the quote's from, but yeah, it's really all about you know working 
really hard. And even if you become knowledgeable about a, a topic or an expert, um, you still have to continue working hard or someone that you know is earlier in their career might pass you. What is one thing that you must have in your fridge all the time? I don't know. I, I eat a lot of uh, peanut butter or almond butter, which doesn't necessarily go in the fridge, but it goes in the, the pantry. I otherwise have a pretty basic diet. So nothing, uh, nothing too provocative there. What is the single greatest embarrassment of your life? Eighth, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm constantly embarrassed, uh, which I think if you're trying to do anything meaningful in life, you're going to you know, be embarrassed by your own work uh, or emails that you sent that were cringeworthy. Or even, even as you know, I was looking in the introduction of my book, like there's a typo uh, every once in a while. So those are all embarrassing. Um, I did uh, play basketball growing up and in middle school. So maybe like 10 or 11 years old or you know, maybe like 12, 13. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I got into a game and airballed a free throw. So that was pretty embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's a fun one. Yeah. So now what is the single greatest achievement of your life? That's a, that's a good question too. Because um, I, I think I'm at the beginning of my life story and my life's work. Um, you know, I, I do think that the person you end up marrying or, or having as a long-term partner is incredibly important. So to have met my uh, fiance, who I'll be marrying this year at some point, you know, depending on how the virus goes, I met her when I was 20. And so that is a huge accomplishment. I think that's something where, you know, if we stay together, I could be 50 years old and have a 30 year marriage and a family and uh, have a partner that supports me through the the growth of my career. Uh, so I think that's probably the most important thing I'll have done in my early 20s. Uh, and then, you know, I'm, I'm uh, proud of being financially independent since 18. I'm proud of writing books and speaking, um, getting to travel. Uh, like a single greatest accomplishment or, ch- or achievement, it's probably finding my life partner at such a young age. Congratulations on that, Jared. Like, it's truly inspiring. Thank you. If your listeners want to reach out to you, if your reading fans wants to get in touch with you, how, what is the best way to connect? Yeah, shoot me an email. Um, you know, Jared at uh, 3billionunder30.com. That's how we connected. You know, you, you sent me an email and I responded and now I'm on your podcast. So I'm um, pretty, pretty accessible and uh, would love to connect with anyone listening. Brilliant. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm going to give the links to the uh, to your LinkedIn and email below and also to the Amazon link that you'll send me. Now, Jared, thank you so much for your time. 